0: What up, what up, everybody! This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John Larocca here. We have an action-packed podcast, so we're just going to get right to it. I'll let, let me give the listeners the layout here. Mm-hmm. You and I, we're going to talk about this Vince Madness here oh. to start the show. All right, and then we will play a uh, an interview that I did earlier with uh, Jeremy Finestone and Stephen Conway from the Speaking of Strong Style Podcast. We talk in New Japan, uh, Russell Kingdom, New Year Dash, the uh, Cobb and Omega stuff that I'm very upset that you didn't tell me about. I do not um, know anything about it. Come on.
1: <laughs> I uh,
0: all that. And then uh, we talked about, you know, Mercedes and how that mm-hmm. that is going to go for San Jose and just kind of like this idea that I don't know, New Japan was kind of popping in the U S before AEW was created and just kind of wondering if both can be successful in the U S or if two organizations for wrestling are enough. Um, so talk all about that. And then John and I will come back with our dynamite review. I know we're a day late on that, but uh, I had uh, I'd bought some tickets to the warriors game for my sons for Christmas uh, and so that so we did that. And uh, and that's why this show is a day later. OK, let's talk about Vince. And the reason why we have to talk about Vince is because this crazy 77 year old uh, businessman who has taken wrestling from the smoky clubs and na- national and all that whole thing. You know what I realized? And and we'll get to the story here in a second. But Yeah, no the one main... else
1: did that before him. He did it. He's, yeah, exactly. He did it all. Yeah,
0: exactly. The mainstream media is fascinated by this guy. Yeah. It's not just us wrestling fans. I will say us wrestling fans are way more tired of Vince than the media. And I think it's because he's the story, right? Like he creates stories for people to write about. And so I will. So an article came out today from the Wall Street Journal, and in this article, uh, Lauren Thomas from the Wall Street Journal, and some of this was Vince's own like press release, I believe, where he wrote some of this that uh, the the writers were getting information from. She wrote, "Mr. McMahon, who has majority voting power through his ownership of WWE's Class B stock, has told the company that he is electing himself." And two former co-presidents and directors, Michelle Wilson and George Berrios. Now, end, end the quote, because he fired them, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Okay. Quote, they came back, which is crazy. Quote again. they uh, He's electing them to the board. Uh, the move to reinstate Mr. McMahon, which the board previously rebuffed just last month, mm-hmm. when he wanted to come back last month, they said... You know vince we'll have this conversation, but we don't think it's in the, it's in the best interest of the company uh and and what's and what Vince wants is he wants himself George Michelle, to be elected to the board, and then three people, probably three people who don't want Vince back mm-hmm. to be eliminated uh and vacate vacating their positions on the board, so he started talking about this like I said in December. Vince's reason for wanting to come back. This is his public reason. He believes there is a narrow window to kick off a sales process because WWE's meeting media rights, including uh, Raw and SmackDown, are about to be renegotiated, and he believes the media landscape is evolving quickly, and more companies are looking to own the intellectual property they use on streaming platforms, making WWE an attractive takeover target. Um. And the company – and and so Vince is basically saying, if you do not bring me back, I, because I have all the the voting shares, I'm not going to approve any media deals and any sale because I don't – essentially, this is not him what he's saying, but this is me reading it. Because he doesn't trust that they're going to be able to negotiate for the best deal without him. Okay, so that's kind of the the Cliff Notes version uh, of what is going on here. And I, I, I was just trying to figure out why. Like, what is the reason here? Why does he need to be the chairman, which is Stephanie McMahon's current position today? Mm-hmm. Why does he have to be the chairman in order to make the best sale? Can't he just be involved in this in, in some way? Yeah. And so it's just kind of like, Trying to figure out the pros and cons, and and here are a couple from me. And if you have any, pop in and and people, I am by no way an expert on how this process works. If you have some insight, shoot me an email at gg at com. I'm very interested to hear what, what people think about this, especially those who you know may have some insight into how this generally works. But my my original thought was: okay, Vince is trying to do a power play here he's threatening to make things hard for the current regime by not approving what they want to do with the the future negotiations and by doing that he is basically saying bring me back or else this is going to be a very crappy process now in the same press release that I think he his, his team wrote he did say that he's not coming back to interfere with what anyone's trying to do and so, <laughs> this, so that uh... doesn't really connect for me uh so one theory I think is that what he's trying to do is position himself in that if there is a sale he will still be uh, in in the chairperson's seat. And if they sell, let's say to Comcast, that's a theory that's out there. When that sale goes through, they can't then boot him. He's there. He's existing in that seat. But if this sale happens without him, his Mm -hmm. fight to get back into the company Will be even harder. So I, I that that I've sort of pieced that together, just talking to people around, you know, getting their thoughts. That's kind of uh, what what I've come up with. Um, and then I, I guess if you know, I, I think one of it is who are those three board seats? Like who are the people who who he wants to get rid of? And then it, what if he does get the power back? Like who's it's going to be? Uh, revenge of, yeah. of of the Vince, right? Like, anybody who wasn't Team Vince or anybody who has sort of been happy since he left, it's like, and, and this came up today, and someone said, <clears throat> FTR. And I was like, FTR better not hope Vince comes back because they're like the Triple H dandy, right? Like, they're, yeah. and that would be bad for them. And that would be bad for uh, some of the the wrestlers who are thinking of, using both companies to negotiate with cuz Vince is kind of out of it with with some of this talent you know and, and so that's that's kind of uh who I feel a little bad for when it comes to this is like oh yeah you all of you guys are going to lose negotiating power if Vince uh comes back okay mm-hmm. so the other thing about this that I find really fascinating is like I said this mainstream media uh is almost like at least the headlines and some of the pieces I've read it's almost like oh this is a done deal Vince come back like yeah. And from what I understand, they still have to vote him back. And if they don't vote him back, mm-hmm. then I'm not sure what his play is, unless there's lawsuits or or whatever. But it seems like he's definitely trying to create a Pro Vince board of directors yeah. so that he can get his way. Because right now it doesn't look like that's what it is. If they're voting him not to come back. So just kind of, you know, it's, it's just really insanity at WWE. And if you think about it, the stock price shot up today just by the thought of Vince coming back to sell the company. And it might be just this big game of Vince coming back, promising to sell the company. And then when he gets there, he's like, Nope, we missed our window. We're we're not
1: selling right now. And then he's just back for being back. back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great theory as well. And I know we talked privately about that before we recorded. Um, I'm just hoping they didn't use all the bullets in the gun when whoever has all the you know dirt stuff you know i'm hoping uh yes i hope, I hope there was like levels like okay we got sc- sex scandal and we got you know next level if something else happens so you know i just don't i mean personally i just don't want vince back i think i have i've loved the positive energy um, coming out of wwe since uh, vince was removed you know i'm not i don't hate vince or anything like that and all that stuff but i just could tell like it just Overall, battle quality show. I mean, I don't watch Raw. I know Raw people have issues Raw, but you know, well, we have even talking about on their, our show like we like SmackDown and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And
0: from including the 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 biggest SmackDown number that they've done, yeah, in a long
1: time on Friday, exactly. And and from the vibe I've gotten from there is just just overall positive, you know, energy within. Yeah. So <sighs> that's one of my. I'm like, I it just I just kind of hope that. This is just the old man trying to kick up dust, you know. But, I mean, it's so funny how he brought back uh, Barrios and – was it Wilson you said, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why would you come back to such a volatile, like, person like that? That's like, one day you walk in and you're trying to tell him about the the streaming service, about the network, and what you want to do. And he's like, nah. (laughs) <laughs> do something else, you know what I mean? And then you're gone. Like, why would you want that? And what Vince normally does, and he did this with bringing back Bruce, bringing back John Laurinaitis. It's just he he goes and finds people, his people, to surround himself. Yeah, to say yes, right? And, and that's what a lot of corporations just do. But it's just really frustrating for me personally. I know you, you know, I don't know all the ins and out on the business side. You know, it's not my strong point but when i heard the news i just I just rolled my eyes and said oh my goodness gracious like what's going on here so my my first thought
0: was exactly what you said is that whoever's been leaking to the wall street journal vince must think that the worst of it is out there mm-hmm. right yeah or he thinks that there the stuff there could be worse stuff but so far in his experience it hasn't really been that bad like he's just been sort of moved to the next you know, it's next story. What's next? Because yeah. thats, that's kind of what happened to, to the Dana White thing, right? Dana White. Now there's still some repercussions here with the Dana White situation because that Lord. power slap league yeah. got pushed back a week, and we'll see if it even if it even happens. But Dana White was in the, was kind of a, a news story until the situation happened with that that player on Monday Night Football, and then that was the 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 story. So the 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 news cycle moves so fast. And I wonder if that's part of Vince's playbook. He's just like, yeah, I'll take a beating for a couple of days, but then something else worse will happen. <laughs> and And also, what it does show you, though, is that his name is not that big, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like he's the head of... CBS or he's the head of this, Amazon. this giant media yeah. company, right? Where the, that, that story would, would stay. So to, to his advantage, you know, he's still just the carny wrestling promoter to a lot of people, to the mainstream media, but they dig the stories that come out about this crazy old man. And it's um,
1: so sad about just, it's all about money, right? Here's Vince talking about a sell and people are like, stock goes up, boom. Yeah. Money, 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 money. Instead of like, you know what? Let's not support this guy that committed all this, you know, sexual acts and paid, you know, all this stuff he did. And it's just it's that that kind of really rubbed me the the wrong way. And that Dana White shit rubbed me the wrong way too. By the way, oh, yeah. like pushing oh, yeah. the slap show back a week, just cancel that thing. That's so embarrassing. Yes, and I I, I thought
0: that that's what was going to happen. This one week thing may give them some time to sort of figure things out. Maybe they still cancel it. Mm-hmm. Um but it's yeah, I don't know. I've I've seen conflicting reports on what the real plan is for that show. If
1: they could cancel Batgirl, the movie that they spent <laughs> right? ninety million dollars on and not air it anywhere, not show it, not bring it to life after all these hard peop all these people worked hard on that movie, no matter good or bad, just to put it out there. You know, they could they could definitely cancel this show and not let it air any for 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 what I mean it's disgusting you know fight fight pass youtube yeah. that's what it's
0: that's what it could end yeah. up all
1: right you know, um one of, those, one of those sneaky streaming services that, that the heartbreak kid knows about i don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right uh so ne-
0: we needed to get that out of the way cuz that was kind of the hot news we were going to lead with uh the new japan stuff but, uh, but we needed to talk about vince because yeah. of how it uh, happened and and look if we didn't record today and we recorded yesterday we wouldn't even have vince to talk about so uh maybe maybe it's good that we we were delayed a day okay uh if you have not watched russell kingdom if you have not watched new year's new year dash uh and you want to fast forward the, the interview is about 40 minutes but i think it's really good if you have any interest in new japan and the product in the partnership with aw and new japan and kind of the the maybe even the 2023 and the outlook which to me hasn't looked better since the uh since omega lost to Tan- Tan- tanahashi um so that's a good conversation jeremy and steven uh, know their stuff so uh check it out and come back and john and i are gonna talk some aw dynamite It's time to talk Wrestle Kingdom. And I have asked two guys who host a show on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel <laughs> called Speaking of Strong Style Jeremy Finestone, Stephen Conway. How's it going, fellas? Going great. Going
2: well, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us on.
0: Okay. So I know that one of you has already celebrated a birthday, and the <laughs> other one of you is about to celebrate. A birthday, So you should thank Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay for the great <laughs> gift that you both received here, which was a fantastic match. Now, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, first, I want to talk about what happened uh, this morning on New Year's Dash. I'd, I was spoil-free, but I did watch it in the morning. And as this show is building and as Kenny Omega comes out in the main event, I was like, it would be amazing if... Okada was his partner and it happened. And I was like, Oh my God, Uh, I was so happy to see that like little, little, uh, little nuggets there for, for longtime fans to see that uh, on New Year's dash. But um, Jeremy, I know you had sort of the news and kind of the the setups coming out of New Year's dash. So what is the big stuff to look forward to here?
3: All right. Well, they had a number of matches on this show and everything set up to uh, the Road to New Beginnings, which uh, concludes on February 1st. Then they had uh, the be- the beginning show on the 11th. All the matches here happened uh, in the service of that. And in the top of the top of the news was the uh, first appearance of the Omega Powers as New Japan Pro Wrestling itself has decided to call That's Kenny cool Omega and uh, Kesuchika Okada. Where they took on uh Jeff Cobb and Aaron Hanare. Uh that concluded in the pretty much a surprise to me. I don't know about you guys, but Kenny Omega has got a feud with Jeff Cobb coming up. And then Okada's got a feud with Shingo coming up. And then after that is just run down the run down the line of all the news that happened. But those were the but those were the big things that came out of that show.
0: Yeah, uh Cobb and Omega were excellent together in that main event. I, th- I thought, mm-hmm. uh, and it's great to see Jeff. Obviously, I'm a big Jeff guy. Uh, so it's great to see him in the mix with Kenny. But, but so that, that means that, you know, Kenny's going to be working a lot of these big shows, right? He's, yes. I don't yes. know if he's going to work all of them, but um, he's got to be, if they're putting him in a feud immediately after New Year's Dash, they're telling their audience that in 2023, Kenny Omega is going to be on your television and in your arenas.
3: Yeah, they are. They are specifically trying to tell you that you keep your subscription and then in February you're going to get a Kenny Omega versus Jeff Cobb match. And that's basically the hook to keep you going on at least into the next month with all their future plans that they have going on.
0: Steven, what were your thoughts when you saw what they were building there?
2: Well, I'm obviously very excited for it. I I know that Kenny Omega also is going to be going back and working plenty for AEW and things. I'm hoping that this title reign lasts a while so that we can see perhaps some U.S. title matches on Dynamite or Rampage as well. So the idea of Jeff Cobb against Kenny Omega appeals to me, of course. Those are two terrific wrestlers, and I really like the contrast there. I love the idea of Kenny Omega working with a guy who can throw him around like jeff uh potentially can that's something we haven't really seen a ton of with kenny and i and certainly there's nobody in new japan that can do it and he was in the faction with the only guy who might have been able to before was bad luck folly so it adds a different dimension doesn't it It, that we know that kenny can have mind-blowing matches with guys that are really good technically and Uh, a a power guy and and Jeff's good technically too. That's not any kind of aspersion on that, but for someone that can kind of use him as a a Canadian lawn dart, I think that could be really entertaining. (laughs) And, and uh, I I think that that they can put together a lot of interesting stuff. Kenny's one of the more creative thinkers in the game and, and give him somebody with that kind of uh, power and agility. I think we could be in for something special once that finally gets in the ring.
0: So another follow-up for you here. Um, Does it feel like now we've, post-pandemic until through last year, I'm going to guess in the United States, New New Japan World subscriptions were were down and down and down. Um, This seems to me a a bigger play to the U.S. audience, obviously. Uh, And it just feels like coming out of that show, like we didn't feel this the last two years of Wrestle Kingdoms, that, oh, New Japan might be back. But I sort of felt that after... Um, you know, when Jeremy and I were awake at four thirty in the morning on uh, <laughs> on Wednesday, it sort of felt like, oh wow, like not. I don't know if they could get in, get as hot in the U.S. as they did when Jericho came over, when uh, 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 when Omega Nokata was sort of at its peak. But there does seem to be like s- some heavy expectation here. What did you feel coming out of Russell Kingdom?
2: yeah i think there's definitely a concerted effort toward that and of course they were stuck in a lot of ways for a couple of years there they couldn't really travel they couldn't they could barely do shows yeah and they were locked in with a roster that was very very talented but had cycled through almost every combination they possibly could because they couldn't really bring in new people it was all there were all kinds of issues and there were travel issues and everything else so the freshness of these people coming in, even ones coming back. Kenny hadn't been there in years, and uh, you know Cobb being in the mix, and of course now we have Mercedes, which might be the biggest play to the American audience of all of them. It does feel like they are ready to make the run that they intended to do in 2020 or so. You know, this was not, uh, of course, in anyone's uh, in anyone's plans there, but then it got all thrown off. But they have Kenny Omega, so they've got a big star from uh, one of the biggest stars in AEW. They have someone who is one of the biggest stars in WWE, Mercedes, right there, and, and it and it does look like they are planning these events. Of course, Mercedes specifically mentioned a show in the United States and uh, there's gonna be more of that and there's forbidden doors and things so it does feel like they have freshened up the roster gotten some foreigners in both and, and of course they're working on that whole tamashi thing in Oceania. so we've got some really good australian wrestlers in here two really great tag teams it does feel like new japan is ready to branch out a little bit and really make a run at making inroads in north america and in australia and They have the talent to do it. It, it, We'll see if they can execute. That hasn't always been their best suit as far as executing their American vision. So uh, we'll see if that's improved. And they've had a couple years to think about it. So hopefully so.
0: So Jeremy, the last time we felt this hot about New Japan, there was not an AEW. No. And my wonder is if AEW satiates that audience to where uh, maybe I'm thinking that this is going to be sort of a rebirth in the, in the U S for new Japan. And maybe it can't be because AEW and WWE both exist and maybe there's not room for anybody else. So what do you think about that?
3: You know, I, I've been watching AEW lately and I feel like there's a, there's a disconnect with some element of their audience from the initial vision that they had. And when you were watching the wrestle kingdom right now, you saw a presentation of Kenny Omega that was different on both shows. You have the AEW version of Kenny Omega and you had the new Japan pro wrestling version of Kenny Omega. And we got a teaser of it back at historic X over after the, uh, well, Osprey match. And there were some, like whispers like, Ooh, that was a promo that I haven't seen out of that guy in a while. (laughs) And then we had the press conference and, and so I think there's a room for new Japan fandom where there's a gap in AEW and and WWE don't serve. I don't think it's a giant gap, but I think there's a substantial market for new Japan to exist. And uh, I'm not sure that they found the correct formula to reach out to the audiences, but man, Mercedes Monet at a San Jose show seems like an awfully big overture to get people much more interested into a domestic version of the New Japan product that they previously haven't been able to do. So are we gonna get Kenny Omega and Jeff Cobb stateside or are we gonna get it uh, in the Japan side? If we do, we're still gonna get an iteration of Kenny Omega that we don't necessarily see right now in America. And
0: And then, and and then this becomes super interesting because we know that AEW and new Japan are partners. They're going to do another forbidden door show. But what you just said, Kenny and and Jeff Stateside, Tony Khan might be going like, Hey, uh, maybe we we can do that on an AEW show, but I don't know if I want to compete against myself here with one of my VPs of the, of the company. So that's also something that kind of gets murky there. And uh, it's an interesting partnership. If both are sort of vying for the same audience in the U S now, I will say John and I, of course, and, and, you know, we review dynamite every week. So we, we watch very closely with a microscope that that shows very important to what we do on this podcast, but, If you were to ask me what is the the style of wrestling that I enjoy the most, it is definitely something like the style that we saw at Wrestle Kingdom. So for me personally, like as a selfish viewer, I'm like, let's do Kenny and Jeff in Japan because I know that match will probably be slightly better than in the U.S. where you get a little bit of a goofier Kenny and it's a little bit more about high spots. Um, then it is, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, the really solid grappling that, that, you know, we're going to see in Japan. So it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing to think about. Um, do you, Stephen, for you, do you think this partnership can coexist with both of these companies, you know, vying for similar audiences in the U S
2: it's going to have to be done very delicately. There's going to be a lot of politics involved. And the other thing we know that Tony Khan has said publicly that he delayed Moxley and Tanahashi until he could get it. So there could be some more of that kind of coming into play. Uh, He might, you know, part of these negotiations. All right. You can have these guys for your dominion. You can have them for wrestle kingdom, but there are a couple of matches that I get too. So uh, yeah, I could definitely come into play with that. Um, And you know we look at it. It's it's interesting. Like you mentioned the Kenny Omega thing, we actually saw two different versions of him. The the Wrestle Kingdom Kenny Omega with Don Callis out there was an absolute asshole heel. You know he was he was he was an absolute (laughs) heel man. That crowd was so behind Will Ospreay, it felt a little bit like before he created United Empire when he was just the underdog right there in that crowd at the Dome. Then the next night, he's smiling, he's clicking belts with Ome- with uh, with uh, Kazushka Okada, yeah. and he was smiling and he was a babyface. Neither were the goofy one that you mentioned, Garrett, and you're absolutely yeah. right. It's, there are three different Kenny Omegas. We saw all three of them in a relatively short amount of time, which shows the talent of the guy. But when that match comes there's got to be a part of Tony Khan as an intelligent businessman just as "Mm, mm, well why don't we hold off on that until I get a piece of it (laughs) so and and John Moxley could be part of the picture going through too I they're obviously not done with the whole show to amino tie-in at some point I mean they're they're invoking him every chance they get so there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that could work out and I and I do think that some of these matchups we might not see on the timetable that we as New Japan fans want Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. AEW is going to put not, and I'm not trying to crush Tony Khan here. He's just being smart and just said, no, we're going to do that one when I get some of the money. We're going to do that one when I get some of the money.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating 2023 uh, for sure. And dare I say, uh, for a lot of American viewers, I think New Japan is back now. What Do you guys have any insight into... Tony Khan's announcement about the uh, the 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 streaming service for ROH, the Honor Club service, as it pertains to New Japan, because he mentioned that he's going to have more news after Russell Kingdom. Um, I, I, I haven't seen a, a, anything about it yet, but I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think. Like I know a lot of people have said, well, maybe the rosters of New Japan, uh, Strong, and ROH kind of coexist on, on this one mm-hmm. show which is kind of interesting uh but i don't know if there's anything short of you know carrying I, I don't even know if you could care, like who 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 needs the New Japan shows on the ROH service. If the New Japan show is so cheap right now mm-hmm. for for us in, in the U.S., it's like seven bucks or less or something. So yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to think of what that announcement could be, and I'm just like, I don't know what is sort of big enough to 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 really mean anything for that service
2: it's difficult to fathom i'm not i'm not really sure how that stuff would work and uh, yeah I, I also worry a little bit about ring of honor and new japan i know new japan has a sense of loyalty that is uh, impressive and sometimes counterproductive for itself uh you know they they stuck with ring of honor probably longer than they should have and you know they of course when they went with aew as basically as soon as tony bought the uh, roh but uh, they they do have that sense of, of loyalty, so maybe the ROH brand still means something to the New Japan front office. I would worry a little bit about right now. I mean, Chris Jericho is the Ring of Honor champion, so they don't have to. It's still very uh, highly regarded and all of that. But uh, you worry about your product being tied in with maybe a perception, whether real or not, that the ROH guys are the guys that aren't quite good enough to be featured on aew also you don't want to be your guys in with aew's minor league guys you know and so and i worry the ring of honor could end up that way that uh you know they're they already don't they already have a roster big, too big for the time they have so i wonder if ring of honor is going to end up being the guys that just don't make it to to end up that way don't make it to rampage or dynamite maybe i'm just worrying about too much there so that's another concern for for new japan don't don't get yourself in with what's perceived as the minor leagues of it.
0: Well, uh, what the one thing I, I thought about, but again, I don't know if this is uh, big enough. But maybe there are the the trades where you know some of the Japanese wrestlers, you know, they they come over here for a month and wrestle on on ROH for a program, and and some of the younger. ROH guys go out to to Japan and and do a a tour or something. It could be something like that. But then again, like Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's that big of a, of a, of a thing here.
3: There are, I'd like to see maybe a couple more of the young guys other than Wheeler Yuta, head up, ending over there for like the best of the super juniors in a couple of months. I know that they got the cooperation with Fantastica mania and CMLL. So they got their calendar kind of lined up for a couple of these big events. So it's not really going to be until April or may that anything like that would even really uh, work cooperation wise in in terms of the trade, because then you need them all over there. And then it'll be later on in the summer. Where they would have roster free because they're all full of the G1 and everything else going on, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they would even be able to have the roster free for that. So it's kind of a down the line thing, but it's a cooperation is working well. And to me, having Omega as the figurehead of AEW kind of going back and forth, and just having that one guy at the top that is kind of crossing the borders between the federations, that that has more significance than if you have a bunch of the lower guys on mid card going back and forth. But the stakes never really seem that high. Um, right. Having the higher level of of inter- integration without all the other stuff underneath it all the time kind of makes it feel more important.
0: Interesting. All right, let, let's uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened on Wrestle Kingdom, and and we probably we we've buried the lead here for a lot of people <laughs> because we haven't talked about Omega and Osprey yet. I, I was trying to think about this because before Omega Okada matches, um, that you know that I've seen now, I'm sure there's stuff in in the New Japan archives and the All Japan archives that I've just never watched because I didn't get into it uh, all that early as a wrestling fan. But my favorite match of all time had been Austin Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13, like for the longest time. And then Omega and Okada started having these matches. Um, Okada Tanahashi was right there too, like really close. But that uh, that great the 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 one um, what's what's the the one that hit the the that broke the star scale? W- which one was that? Was that the last one?
2: It was Kenny and Okada one. I know it was something like six stars, and everybody lost their minds. But then, what like was that,
0: the was one it? that has, did the highest? Wasn't there a seven-star match?
3: There was yeah, there yeah, was something I like had that. it here at some point.
0: Uh w- whatever that match is, um, that is the one where I was like, okay. It was the two out of
3: three falls match in 2018. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. So that was the match where I was like, I think I've seen the greatest match I've ever seen in my entire life. And since then, yeah, you're it's the Dominion match from uh from June 9th of that of that year. And so now when I think about matches, like that's kind of the tippy top. And I watched this match with Osprey and, uh, and Omega. And it's got to be like in the top five of matches that I've that I've ever seen. Does it rank as highly for you guys? And Steven, you can go first.
2: It's definitely on that list, and the funny thing is, Gary, you mentioned Bret Hart and Steve Austin. I this is I'm I'm going to go ahead and brag on this. I was in the building for that one. I was in that WrestleMania in (laughs) Chicago, and the feeling in that building was the most intense I've felt at a wrestling show, uh, as far as the emotion and crowds divided between two sides that really, really wanted their guy to win. And there was some sort of reaction from the crowd for every blow. As this match built, you got the sense that that was happening. This crowd in Japan, it was a cheering crowd for Wrestle Kingdom and, and, I've mentioned this to Jeremy on our show. New Japan's not the greatest at miking the crowds. They just aren't. It doesn't always come across. This was a match where you really felt that the crowd was, you felt that wave of sound that you get in the dome when there's a big match and a great match going on. And it sort of rides like a wave. It comes up and it goes down, it goes up and down. And this one had all of that. So the people were so into this and so behind Will, the way Kenny was just wearing him down. You you even got zombie will for a while where his eyes go glassy, yet he still manages to come up with that one big move (laughs) and things. That match made people feel in a way that most don't, and certainly no other that night. And there were other great matches on this show. But as far as one that made people feel again, that was a a real treat. And between two guys that are master storytellers, as well as tremendous athletes, that 30-minute time call came, and those guys probably could have gone twice that. The the cardio on these guys is incredible. And they're still you know, over there telling every little emotional cue out there. Uh, it was very special. I think it is going to be one of those matches that are remembered for a very, very long time. It's up there with me with Misawa and Kawada from 1994, a 35-minute classic right there that I always felt was my favorite match of all time. Hart and Austin, yes. Uh, some of those All Japan tag matches. I'm a Kings Road guy at heart, but going uh, going all the way back. But this is up there. It, it made you. It made you feel. It had a real purpose to it. And the best part about all that is, it's only the beginning of this story because yeah. by putting Kenny Omega over in it. It's Will Osprey's Mount Everest to climb, yeah. which means we're going to come back to it. And imagine the anticipation for that. So, yeah, for me, uh, absolutely. It, it was not just a one-off great match, fantastic, loved it, but it was more the beginning of a story that we have something to look forward to. That's an added layer to it.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard Wrestling Observer Radio, but Dave said <laughs> that they specifically did not do a lot of things because this is going to be... More than one match, so they're going to run it back. They held (laughs) back in this match, sure did because (laughs) they're right. Well, so this this is an interesting thing though, because you know I mentioned in AEW, uh, a a Kenny Omega match is just going to have more high spots and it's going to be faster, and they're not going to slow it down as much. That that that's what I think that they would do. Maybe maybe they would they would uh, let it breathe a bit, but uh, yeah, imagine you know that that's why. This whole thing is, I, I think they're gonna. If, if if I'm thinking correctly, they they probably do at least one match in AEW. But I want like the main one to be at Russell Kingdom. And man, Russell up, Kingdom 18. Yeah, yeah, Russell Kingdom yeah. 18. And and man, up the stakes. You know, if mm-hmm. if uh, somehow you get omega to win the big new japan belt and you can put make that the stakes for osprey to finally climb that mountain like you were talking about that that the g1 that'd be amazing it would just be such great storytelling and it would i do think a lot of the u.s fans would be back on that train who have sort of you know maybe stopped watching for the last couple of years but jeremy quick is it is it on your
3: uh mount rushmore of matches here where does it fit Real quick, real quick. I uh, I went to WrestleMania twenty one and I saw Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels live. Mm. And for the longest time, that was the benchmark in which I would compare every other match. And I feel like this is the new benchmark to compare every other match. For Wait, so
0: you still so you still liked Shawn Michaels and, and Kurt Angle over the Omega Okada ones?
3: I, no, no, I'm saying like internally, like the benchmark of, of okay, okay. like that match and with like good, great, like the ele- the escalator match. That's where like,
0: every match that you watch will sort of be measured to. Yes, right.
3: it is the new it is the new measuring stick for me. It's probably a top five. Uh, I'd have to rewatch those Okada Omega matches to to see. But oh my goodness, the catalog of matches that Kenny Omega has amassed and. It's just amazing. Uh, yeah. We are talking, we are talking on show real quick. Uh, Will Ospreay had five title defenses in the U S title match before. And this was his fifth one. This was Kenny Omega's fifth singles match in 15 months. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, uh, he had the Christian cage, Allen angels, uh, hangman page. And we got the Shino match. And then we had this one <laughs> and he was the ring general in that match. Unbelievable. Like that, that's the level of talent. Like, I cannot underscore how amazing this match was to me. Unforgettable and, experience.
0: And really, like when I watch the AEW Kenny Omega, I'm always going to be wanting the New Japan version mm-hmm. of Kenny Omega.
3: Yes, and, sir. and,
0: you know, it, it, some of it is it's a weekly TV show and you're creating a character and it's not just about the in-ring. But, you know, I'm watching these best of seven matches and... Like the athleticism is off the chart, the moves, the thoughtfulness and getting to these transitions is off the charts. But what it's missing for me is like the realness, like the the reality, the, the believability, because it's just it's just like, you know, superhero uh, match kind, kind of quality. Uh, but yeah, this Kenny Omega, where I was just like, I kind of I was watching these these matches and knowing that this match with Osprey was coming up. I was like, okay, he's got a lot to prove because of what Jeremy said, where he hasn't had very many singles matches. But also, I think a lot of people miss that Russell Kingdom, you know, New Japan version of Kenny Omega. They like that version of Kenny Omega. And so he can be these two different versions, but just the ability that for, for me to go okay, I know he can do that again, and I can't wait to see more. That was just uh, fantastic.
3: Okay, you know, we, we can't... It's cute and fun, real quick. It's cute and fun that you have the the broom version of Kenny Omega on AEW, but when you see that version of New Japan, like, that other version doesn't measure, and that's all I wanted yeah. to say about
0: that. Yeah. All right, we can't... I mean, we are overlooking um, Okada and Jay White, which I thought was an awesome match as well, but it's just going to get overshadowed. Uh, they, they did... Of course, it's a Jay White match. There, it was going to be slower. It was going to be a little bit longer to get into. I was really worried that after that uh, that match, I was going to kind of have that adrenaline dump, and then I was going to see Jay White do his stuff, and I was going to get really tired. But I, I wasn't. I, I thought the match was really, really good. Um, it's not whatever the six-plus star rating that Omega and Osprey are going to get, but it's it was damn good in its own right and a different style and I'm sure a lot of people who are a little bit more of old school wrestling fan probably enjoy that style a little bit more um, than than uh, a lot of the stuff that Omega and Osprey were doing. That was a, a little on the crazier side. But um, man, Okada's to me, he's still until somebody knocks him off that that uh, mountain, he's still the best. And uh, I don't I don't know where his sort of journey goes. Like Shingo's great, I just don't see Shingo at the same level as as some of these other guys historically. So it's a good match because they're both going to have a fantastic match. But I'm kind of wondering where Omega or I'm sorry, where Okada goes from here. Steven, do you have any thoughts on what Okada's 2023 could look like?
2: It is curious to see how that turns out. The Shingo Takagi thing, I agree with you. I think that's going to be retention. I don't think they're going to take the thing away from Okada there. So you know where does that go? Uh, I mean the I would have said Zack Sabre, perhaps, especially with him joining TMDK, and that still could be the case, but he's got the TV title to think about for a while. He's going to be defending that, it looks like, probably against Ishii, his first challenger. That'll be good. So it'll be one of the faction leaders. Uh, It'll probably be somebody in that. uh, uh, Boy, it is hard to say who's going to be, uh, unless they just want to go on a run of title defenses similar to uh, what they did, Uh, when he broke the record where it was it was just one guy after the other one mostly one and done it could be what they're going to do with that for a little while and we might be losing jay white for a little bit uh or hikaleo one of the two but hikaleo just came back from the U.S. because they have a loser leaves japan match coming up they haven't said for how they haven't said for how long which i think is a key or if it's permanent or if there's a time limit on it that's all that's apparently to be ironed out i'm sure they, know they should
0: it. have they should have done a, a loser goes to impact for three months
2: comes <laughs> now the stakes are up yes exactly. <laughs> now the stakes are up uh but yeah so it could be just a thing where he does a, f- a few months of one and done stuff and you know, the, anytime he's not the champion, you figure is going to win the G1 because you figure they'll cycle around to him at Wrestle yeah, safe exactly. he's, he's Gato's sa- safety blanket. He's going to be in a very key position on their biggest shows because that's how they feel safe because they know he always delivers. He's one of the best of all time. So right now there isn't an obvious consistent thing. But, you know, the way New Japan does the world champion, you don't necessarily get a... Three match series in a row, you know. There, there is. It's not like the old WWF system where, in, in Madison Square Garden. So even and in a cage ok- match. Okada, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and e- even Okada and Kenny were. That was what a year and a half to get to all of those. They came out every six months or so. Yeah. And then you, they would meet in the G one or something like that. So I think he'll probably just kind of go around the horn for a little bit and reestablish him as the champion as the calendar ticks around and uh, to take on the top guys from each faction, I would say uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw something like uh and then probably not Osprey because I think they have to rebuild him, but you, mm-hmm. you could get something like uh, you know, Great O'Kan could get a shot or you know the new Japan Cup is coming. You could have somebody that doesn't normally get title shots win that. There there are ways for it. And that's kind of how I see Okada until we get to G1 time.
0: So Jeremy, we were talking about this a little bit at Big Dave's house, uh watching the show, but could you see AEW talent possibly being big matches for Okada in 2023? Whether it's a Brian Danielson or it's a John Moxley or somebody like that, because like you know, like Stephen just said, like there's not really that like one person who's like, oh, they're gonna you know they're gonna put him mm-hmm. him with Okada, and, and doesn't you know, Kodobushi's not coming back, so uh, mm-hmm. is there anybody? You think from the state side that could possibly be uh, a challenger they, for a big match for Okada?
3: We got Danielson. We got Moxley. You've got Jericho. I think those are the uh, three. I'm not 100% certain they'd put MJF in that position right now, but if they did, it would have to be at Forbidden Door 2 because that's where Tony would best stand to uh, reap a benefit from it Yeah, unless they were to do it on something like Revolution – which as they've done in the past, it felt more like a second or third match on the card kind of thing, or even a pre-show thing. So I, I don't know. The, the outlook for Okada really does kind of seem like Shingo, maybe Minoru Suzuki. We got the new change oh, yeah. up. And yeah, then
2: that's right. Man.
3: And then uh, after that, I could definitely see Omega and Okada and Dominion again, uh, or even something like Jay White and Omega something like that where, because those four guys, Okada, Jay, uh, Omega and Osprey, they're all going to be dancing with each other all year round. And they're all going to be one upping each other, having fugues here and there. And they're going to be the one drawing the most crowds and the most viewers to the product is what those four guys are doing.
0: All right. Let's end with, uh, talking about Mercedes Monet or Mm -hmm. Monet, depending (laughs) on how we're pronouncing it. Uh, so she, I felt like the stardom match was not given enough time, though there's a lot of things that weren't given enough time. It seemed like that one got the shortest of the shrifts, though. I think it was like six minutes or something. I didn't think the match was that great either. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. There seemed to be a little nervous. Uh, there was some missed st- not missed, but just ill-timed stuff early, and then the finish just kind of came out of nowhere. And then... Sasha Banks, AKA Mercedes Monday came in and then they did a spot. She did a spot with Kyrie. That was totally botched. So Mm -hmm. not the greatest debut here, Uh, but they did mention she's going to be in San Jose bow the Valley. Jeremy and I will be there. Uh, John LaRocca will be there as well. And I just, um, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be great, but, just seeing how russell kingdom portrayed that stardom mm-hmm. uh, that iwgp women's match it it didn't seem like they think that it's necessarily like that big of a deal what what do you think stephen
2: well i'm not too worried about mercedes i think she's going to end up being great in that role i think she's going to end up having great matches the thing that you have to get used to when you're Ameri- when you're an american coming over what well, mercedes is going to have to get used to everybody talks about this when you first come to Japan you just don't get that monster pop they like, and yeah. the funny thing is like the crowds there I, I don't remember who it was anymore but they said i looked around and just thought my god i'm dying they're making no noise whatsoever <laughs> and i looked around everybody was sitting there watching very attentively and yeah, but very yeah, yeah. politely and, and yeah. things so it, they don't go nuts immediately but believe me they were paying big attention to her and i thought with the way that they did her entrance and her uh her that she was announced as she came to the ring so it wasn't the traditional run-in where someone just shoots under the bottom rope and attacks It was done in a way that this is somebody very important, very special. Like she got the video and all that. Yeah, that botch the the spot there. They didn't get quite right. It's a new finisher, I guess. She's going to try to do with uh, with that uh, move, and I've already forgotten the name of it. I know it's it's a move there that she did on uh, Kyrie. Apparently, a new finisher. I'm not worried about it. I actually thought that Tam and and Kyrie had a really good short match. I enjoyed that match, so uh, I I, th- I thought they did well there. But you're right. I was hoping that that one was going to be twelve or fifteen. It's too yeah. much to ask for like a, a start a main event twenty minute yeah. or, or something. Like yeah. I, I get it. There's a lot to get done in that night. I, I understand that six minutes. I just thought, oh boy. But that match was basically a delivery system for Mercedes, is really what that yeah. Was. If
0: if Mercedes yeah. isn't in that spot, then they probably let the match go another four
2: right. or five yeah, minutes. Cause, yeah, because they knew they were gonna do five minutes there. So what she's gonna have to get used to is when she does a promo in WWE, the crowd, the American crowds want to be more a part of the show. They want yes. to have people react to them, respond to them, and uh, be part of the promo, really. I mean, they, they're always they're chanting, they're they're reacting and things. Whereas the Japanese kind of sit back, very attentively, very politely, and say, "Well, what do you have to say? Okay, go ahead."
0: You know, but, yeah, but what you yeah.
2: get what you get is silence and you're not used to silence <laughs> you know it's it's odd for silence because the crowd's usually calling attention to itself in the u.s so that is just an adjustment that she's going to have to make uh hopefully they'll get the timing right I, I think that was a little bit more Kyrie, to be fair than than uh mercedes yeah. on it on seemed the mis- there was a miscommunication yeah about, as to I'm when when sure. to go so to speak and uh so I'm not worried about it though. I think once they get in the ring, they're going to be fantastic. And what uh, and and just the, the the combinations, the possibilities with with the stardom wrestlers and her, and the talent that uh, Mercedes has, I'm just really excited. Uh, the, the depth of that roster of good wrestlers and stardom for her. Uh, I know that she doesn't have a ton of matches, but I think each one she's going to have is going to be pretty uh, special. So I, I'm looking forward. I think it's going to be fine. I think once they get in the ring, they're going to wow a lot of people.
0: All right, Jeremy. So I'm looking at WrestleTix, and WrestleTix says over 400 tickets have moved for the San Jose show, uh, and they have they still have some available, a couple hundred. Do you think Mercedes is going to draw a lot of interest for this product um, in in the U.S. or is this going to be a little bit of a an experiment that, that
3: maybe is not as big of a deal as maybe we thought it would be. I think it'll be a curiosity. I think, I think people kind of want to see what she's going to be like outside of the WWE system. And don't forget her walking out in the Tokyo dome was the first time she's ever done anything in wrestling outside of WWE. Everything has always been in that system. So she, in a lot of ways didn't know what to expect, but going back to the point, uh, I, I am, Eminently curious, and I and I believe one hundred percent that she is going to once she finds her footing outside and she gets comfortable, she's going to set the world on fire with the wrestling and her talent. She's going to be able to hang with the stardom talent and the people that she's in the ring with. So, do I think that that's the general sentiment? I I'm assuming so. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't want to believe that she is going to succeed. That WWE was the only thing launching her and keeping her afloat. And uh, I I think that's an incorrect assumption. And I think and part of her mission statement is to prove those people wrong and to prove that she was always the, the her own her own best talent. All right, Jeremy, give me the
0: uh, the details on the podcast. Where can people listen to you guys and watch you guys? and all that stuff
3: you can find us at the fight game media channel on youtube you can look for speaking of strong style uh my twitter handle is jerry finestone you can also check out the hashtag sposs s-p-o-s-s we try and tie that to everything so if you have trouble finding us that can be a little helper steven and then when do when do you guys publish uh we try and publish every Tuesday. We went Wednesday this week because of obvious Wrestle Kingdom reviews, but we try and go live be uh, around Tuesday afternoon, evening. So if you're uh looking for a midweek channel on YouTube, something to watch, give us a shot. We'll entertain you.
0: And you guys are gonna do some live streams upcoming at some point, right? Yes, right yeah, now I'm right now you just it. uh you just upload the the show. Yeah. No, I think that that's cool. All right, Steven, what about you for socials and where can people find you?
2: I'm at conway 88 on Twitter. I also have a historical website called RingsideReplay.com, where I look back at wrestling from past decades. And uh, so that's where you can find me. And of course, like I said, uh, on uh, Speaking of Strong Style with uh, Jeremy, and uh, always uh, a pleasure to do that show. And I look forward to doing more of them.
0: All right. Thank you to both of you for, for jumping on and uh, look forward to, uh, to the show in, in 2023. I know you guys. Hey, look, if, if there's way more interest in the U.S. for New Japan, that is good for
3: you guys, right?
2: Certainly. We're, we're rooting having, for them.
3: We're having a great time. This is a passion project. We both love it. We both come from two different points of view and how we came to grow and love the product. And it just it's a great conversation every week. So give us a shot. Feel free to listen in.
0: All right, John. We are back talking dynamite. But there was a question in on Twitter, f- directed mostly towards you, to, to towards us, but mostly towards you, and you wanted to know the snack situation at Big for Dave's me? house. For I was in charge.
1: I was not in charge of the snack but situation. But, I,
0: but I think it, because you were you were a little bit more vocal about the lack of snack situation sometimes <laughs>
1: the non-existing <laughs> so, snack situation and, and, and so
0: they they said you know they said hey i want i can't wait to hear laraka's uh response to to the snacks and i said well you know thanks to to jeremy uh-huh and to john quinn yep. the snack situation might might win most improved in the observer awards
1: that, that's why i'm shout out i want to out. <laughs> Mr. Quinn and Mr. Feinstone, our good friends, uh coming through with the snacks. Uh Jeremy brought over some pizzas. He brought over the, the pizza of my heart. You know. Yep. Sorry. They better sponsor us now for that, that plug right there. <laughs> and uh some Coke Zeros from, from Mr. Quinn and some uh what pretzels and stuff. So, you yeah. know, um it was a good time. It was a really good time. I uh I thought for sure I was gonna make it like throughout the night i just because i'm older now and you know just i was like there's no way there's no way but i toughed it out but i think that was key was that nap Kids yeah went to bed at 7:30, took a two and a half hour nap and i think that was really the key that helped me out plus we were having a great time just talking like you know because we're all really good friends and totally yeah, you know, it was great fun
0: yeah no it was a
1: blast um
0: i didn't even have you you grabbed the coffee and i thought i was gonna have to grab the coffee but, uh, the people who follow me on Twitter saw my uh my double I went for the double big gulp. I yeah, said I yeah, there's only one night of the year that you really need a double big gulp is <laughs> Russell Kingdom.
1: I don't think that would evening. work for me though. I love a no? soda, but I don't know I think it was that regular coke and that's diet diet Coke oh that's caffeine that but i yeah I went with the old a very underrated coffee and I the McDonald's coffee, yep. Very underrated Except it'll
0: burn your mouth if you don't time it correctly. well, you might become rich. we can start our own wrestling promotion with that you know
1: that money, but no it's uh it's no i i it's a really underrated coffee, so I got the large the large uh so two creases so two splendors and I was ready to go
0: all right, It was a good night, um had a lot of fun, and if New Japan picks up some steam, we'll talk about it more on this show, especially if mm-hmm. Jeff is in top programs it it, based on new year dash with him and Hanare against the Omega powers. Have you heard that one? That's pretty good. Omega. And uh, yeah, they, uh, that was, that was fun match. I mean, those guys were tired as all hell and beat up. So they weren't, Mm -hmm. you know, they weren't going a hundred miles an hour, but it was still fun. And then, Cobb and Omega got that were really good in that match together, so that should be a fun program.
1: Yeah, I, I believe I saw the picture that you know Jeff Cobb challenged, with Kenny Omega for the U.S. title, and it, and it makes sense. You know, he's the United Kingdom member. You know, Osprey got beat by Omega; it was a very you know brutal match, and yeah, you would think he'd be the guy that wants revenge. It's not going to be Hernandez because Hernandez is on the, the lower level of that team, and but Cobb's the he's the the heavy, the muscle, you know. So that that makes sense.
0: All right, let's talk about dynamite. It was uh, Wednesday night, uh, and what you think of the uh, the new set, the new graphics?
1: Did I I you liked it. them. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I did. getting my <laughs> notes up here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I thought I I appreciate the look, you know, and, and it needed after three and a half years or whatever it was. It whatever it is, it's it was it was much needed. So I liked it. Okay, Rampage's got to get a new one, too, right? Like, it's got to get a well, new... Well, it's the same building, right? So it's going to be the same set. No, was there heel heel? Uh, was there heel? Uh... I, I didn't even I didn't even, Not notice. even notice either. Yeah, I didn't notice either.
0: Well, I mean, Rampage is going to be live on Friday because they're doing Rampage and Battle of
1: the Belts together. Is Battle of the Belts live right after that, right, too? Yeah. Kind of just flowing together. Flowing... Back to back.
0: Okay. Yeah. So... Uh we'll get to the the schedule for, for or the scheduled matches for both of those shows here. Uh but let's start with uh Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho. I did not like the finish of this match that much. Mm-hmm. Um Ricky Starks is a great baby face, and he's especially great when he's like the first match because he's you know, the fans just really get behind him, and this was a hot crowd all night long. Like that Brian Danielson response was incredible how they, Oh yeah. It was, it was amazing. So good job, Seattle. Uh, I, I have a feeling you're, you're going to get a lot more shows coming your way because it just looked great on TV. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of feel a little hesitant about the Bay area. I'm like, man, Bay areas, no, think, Bay area is going to be a little weaker than that.
1: You think so? I, I think will so. you know, yeah, I don't know, but I I, I thought at least Barry will, will show up in March, but I, I, I really like that Seattle crowd. They're were, they're were, they really made this. They elevated this show for sure.
0: So you know it's it's hot. Ricky Starks it comes out. Jericho immediately understands his role. Um, that crowd loves Ricky. That crowd mm-hmm. loved Aubrey. So Jericho kind of healed on her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, so we as we get to the finish, uh, he has Ricky in the walls of Jericho, and Daddy Magic comes to. To be a bad guy, and I was like, "Okay, how is he gonna mess with him?" I didn't have bat to the face on my scorecard there on my bingo card. Bat to the face was not the way that I would have gone. Maybe a punch, maybe a little eye rake.
1: Bat to the face, if you think if it's gonna be the finish, right?
0: Yeah, but it wasn't.
1: It wasn't exactly. (laughs) I know. That's what I was like. I was like, "Oh, that's the finish." (laughs) What he kicks out, like, God, not like that that damn Batman anything anyways at this time. It's just so stupid. It should have been a punch. Yes, you're right. It should have been a punch there.
0: Yeah, or it would have been interesting if uh, they had like some sandpaper in there to kind of make fun of the fact that they dragged Andretti's face on the Mm -hmm. ground. That would have been kind of funny. But no, he hits him right smack dab in the face with the bat. And then Ricky is not knocked out. He starts fighting for position after this bat to the face yeah, comes out of it, small package Jericho for two count. Then he hits a spear and just wins. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, his spear is way more powerful in AEW canon than a bat to the face. Yeah. So there you go. Ricky Starks. I mean, Ricky was great. He's great with the crowd. They love him. He's a really good underdog baby face. I just didn't like the overbooking of that finish.
1: Yeah, really really overbooked. The whole match. I thought Starks was pretty good. I thought I thought Jericho looked really bad in this match. Like very really, you know, really showed his age here, I thought. Slow, late on stuff. I mean, he's to a point where the cut off where uh well the tease cut off where Matt Menard grabbed Starks' feet foot as he went to the ropes. Jericho doesn't even draw the referee. And she just has to look at him, you know, like missing the trip by, by Daddy Mac. And then that wasn't and that didn't be a, a tease of a cutoff. And then the cutoff really was Jericho suplexing Starks off the apron, onto the floor. So it just gets a big pop and cheer. Sort of, you could have just done the trip and done something, you know, devious after that. They, but you do a spot, you do a suplex off of the apron, it's just going to get a pop from the crowd. It's not going to generate any heat, in my opinion. Um, Of course, you talked about the baseball bat and all that. Um, Ref Aubrey with those green shoes, soles on her shoes sticking out when she would go for a count drove me insane.
0: Well, she also had the green eyeshadow, and I think it was green because of the Seattle Supersonics.
1: Well, your job is not to be noticed. So when you drop down and you have, you know, green soles. It distracts me, and I'm, I should not be distracted. I should be watching the rest of the wrestlers in the ring. <sighs> Some people just want a hot dog out there. AEW just loves, the referees love the hot dog, most of them. <laughs> uh, well, she, she will she will make her, her presence
0: known again soon. Oh, soon, yeah. soon. So uh, JS comes out, the rest of JS comes out, and mm-hmm. uh, Andretti comes out with uh, a chair. To you know, the chair evens the odds until it doesn't. He goes wild, but then I think it was uh the ladies, right? Tay and Anna yeah. J. And
1: they it, and they and they don't like. She just grabs it from him. I think Anna Jay Just grabs it from him. He's going to hit someone. He, she just grabs it from, takes it from, and then they just beat him up. It's like, what if he tried, was going crazy, swinging that chair, and he's about to swing it and almost hit hit uh uh what's her name Anna Jay. You know, hesitant because he doesn't want to hit a woman with the chair, right? Yeah, and then Tag can come behind and knock him in the nuts, and then you know the the heels could take over. And I just don't want to see Ricky Stark's being saved by the the lower end rookie guy, you know. But I, he didn't get saved because it didn't oh, work. Yeah, it didn't work. It, it's just and I don't
2: this know. is I,
0: this is what scared me was Jake Hager. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, Ricky. Uh, That was scary, yes. On the apron, there's a table laid out, and he uh, choke slams him from... Was it choke slam or power power bomb? bomb. Power Power bomb. Power bombs him from the apron to the floor, through the table. And Ricky Starks, as someone who has a history of neck injuries, Mm -hmm. and we've seen Jake Hager screw this thing up before. Yes. And I was just like, this is not something I would do. I just yeah. would not put this thing. Like if you want to do it after in like a, you know, a, after the fact where you can tape like a video package and, and figure out a different way to take him out, that's way better to me. Mm. But this thing live, the risk of doing this to this guy who's constantly getting hurt. I just, I would have not taken that risk.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, Hager messed this up last time. And it puts the, the, the table was so close to the ring, and I was like, oh man it needs to be out more, but luckily he didn't rush it this time and but what's a table today right? We see it all the time on this show you know we see it almost every show, practically, not just aew like you just can you do something else, right so very you know just just blah I was I liked Ricky's performance, but the end, I think he he won, but I don't think in the end he really really got over. So the next
0: segment was Tony Schiavone with the hangman and the hangman comes out and says, he is not yet cleared to compete. <laughs> and if he brawls with Moxley it could set him back another week. So he doesn't want that to happen. And my original thought was, well, then why the hell are you in the middle of the ring? Cause you know, yeah. Moxley's coming out, do this in like your home or something. <laughs> uh, so He says that he needs one more brain scan and he can be cleared next week for the forum. Concussions don't really work like that, but okay, whatever. Like that's that's a a part of this that I'm not going to nitpick because there are other parts of this story to nitpick.
1: I guess he should have said he's getting his last final opinion or something like that. Oh, the way, but the way or, he worded it, it was
0: or how about we just say that he's cleared so we can have the match
1: next week. Yeah, just just do it right now. But they but they can't there's a no was it no physicality clause, that stupid thing they always do. You know, they could have done that.
0: Yeah, last but, week the doctor was like, Oh yeah, in two weeks you'll be cleared as long yeah. as you don't hurt yourself. Like, I was like, Come on, that's we know yeah. that's not how concussions work. Yeah, but again, that's not the thing to nitpick that much, at least. <laughs> so He said that uh, he's going to knock Moxley's dick in the dirt. Mm -hmm. Mox comes out and says he is surprised that Paige uh, Paige is here. Oh, no. He says, Mm. so Mox comes out and says he's been surprised he's here after everything he's been through, kind of mocking Paige for being the victim here. Mox Mox is sick that everyone is so sympathetic for Paige, just for getting knocked out, which Mox called beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's like, it was beautiful. <laughs> and then uh, there, there's there were mic situations, I guess, for the live crowd. Uh, the when I saw it, I don't know if they were able to fix the audio because I didn't, I didn't have any mic issues when I listened to the to the oh, promo. Really? So, oh yeah, you
1: missed all the f bombs.
0: So no, no. So I, I, I did hear Mox when he said, "What the fuck?"
1: <laughs> oh. Oh um, no. I- I didn't realize the mic was off either until the fans are chanting, we can't hear you.
0: So Moxley says, no one has had to go through more in this business than him. <laughs> Paige is playing the victim and it makes him sick. Hangman says that he isn't mad that he got knocked out, even though it could have ended his career. He's mad because Mox made a joke <laughs> and didn't let him
1: speak. But didn't the- he come straight out Blazing. He's the
0: the one who bombarded Mox's promo time. Yes. Yes. He instigated that. Mm -hmm. So then Hangman said he has two in the chamber for Mox. Mox says his punk ass doesn't belong in the ring with me. And next time, Mox is not going to let him get up. So I didn't like Hangman's explanation at all. Like Mm. I thought it was poor. The concussion stuff is. I think if you want it to be realistic, you have to treat it realistic. I thought Mox did a pretty good job because I think Mox sort of feels like a lot of the the fan base where it's like that happens in wrestling. Like Mm -hmm. we're supposed to pretend that the other person is not supposed to get knocked out like that happens. So, yeah, I didn't like the hangman thing. Um, I he like I I really wanted it for him today. I was like, okay, he's got he's got to like this is where he just comes in and he's Mm -hmm. the. The superstar, you know, that we think that he can be. And it was, no, it was just same old emo cowboy sensitive yeah. hangman.
1: We're trying to make something out of a really bad, uh, you know, start with this thing. I'm not talking about, you know, him coming back and he, the knockout blow and all that stuff, I'm trying to make Heyman being have an issue with him being wanting revenge over something that happens in every wrestling match or it mm-hmm. can, can happen anytime, right? So I think they're trying to like this is kind of like they're trying to go back and trying to make sense of it all, but it just doesn't make sense. I I, I really wish they didn't force these guys in this program together. Um I didn't think it was needed. I know things with Heyman got, you know, changed around what he wanted it what well, he was planning on do because yeah of a of a certain someone you know and then and then I just wish they could have done something different here with box and Hangman and put them on a different trajectory and then they could have met some type where down the line in 2023. I just think it just it doesn't help anyone right now at all. I I know Tony's looking for a big match but you know coming up in a these next these these couple of weeks, I think he has some big matches already planned. I would I'd kinda of like to see uh uh they would have spread it out and cause Mox I don't know. I, I once again, you know him better than I do, but I feel like Mox is not really into this one either. You know, that's what I just feel. So
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know for sure about that. Uh I, I don't know what what he I, I mean, I know he was pretty bummed out when when it when it happened but yeah you know when the original knockout happened but yeah i i I don't know how he feels about the program in general uh okay so we get a samoa joe promo setting up the main event with darby and then we get jeff jarrett and Jay lethal against the acclaimed now do you did you hear about the uh karen
1: oh yeah yeah from last week yeah i read all those uh (laughs) just i don't know how i just kind of stumbled on Twitter and I started I, I fell into the rabbit hole of the uh, Karen jarrett the claim saga.
0: Yeah, she she was I I imagine what happened is she just got started getting trolled on Twitter and mm-hmm. felt like she needed to respond yeah. because there's probably some part of the wrestling audience that doesn't know the Kurt Angle Jeff Jarrett story with Karen mm-hmm. and they even made it an angle in Impact. And there's people who don't really know that part of the story, so they yep. were probably ragging on her a little bit, and she felt the need to defend herself, then also throw other people under the bus. Mm-hmm. But um, Max Castor drops some more Karen Angle in his rap, uh, getting trashed on Twitter more than Skip Bayless. <laughs> uh, he gets on, he gets an Andrew Tate reference in. Really yeah. good stuff. Makes fun of Impact. Uh, did they call themselves the Global Force Champion? I don't remember. There was some <laughs> some other thing some in other there stuff. But Max is awesome. Like this yeah. is a definite. Every time they're on, like you look forward to this rap because they're so yeah. creative. They're very timely, and the punchlines are, are really funny. So very very good stuff by Max. So um, he was also mocking Jarrett by doing Kurt Angle's Olympic twirl. Yes. Yeah in the match and he put on put on an ankle lock on jay so they're definitely trying to troll jarrett billy gunn gets thrown out of this match um i don't know he's being a dumb baby face i guess after they did their scissoring spot though and then yeah. he's like yeah you guys don't need me i'm out of here uh so a, a lot of the heat actually happens in picture and picture so if mm-hmm. you were uh if you were looking for some of the heat it's like uh eh, you're gonna have to not hear the crowd and and see it through a, a small box here. Uh, and then, so Bowens is in uh, is, is in a figure four. Max Castor was dumped into the steps by Satnam Singh. And Singh is thrown out, but the referee knows that this is a big dude. How are we going to get him out of this match? So all these referees come down. And so they're trying to get Singh to go out. And so the, the referee... Flipping, flipping
1: him off. Is that what they told him?
0: St- Stefan Smith is the referee. They yeah. they mentioned his name like three or four different times. Mm-hmm. So then he goes over to kind of try and control the situation. And while he's doing that, Jarrett hits the stroke on Bowens. Jarrett was not the legal man. And lethal goes to pin him. Gets one, gets two. Bowen puts his foot on the ropes to break the count, but Sanjay Dutt pushes it off mm-hmm. and the referee counts three. Now. I knew they were reversing this. And you know how I knew? Hmm. Usually when title changes happen, the the ring announcer looks to the ref to make sure that that's what happened. And there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a delay. And then the ring announcer goes, and new. So he count. It goes one, two, three and the referee immediately calls them the brand-new champions. I'm like, okay, this is getting switched. She, she like, jumped the gun a little bit too early on this. So, of course, Aubrey comes down, Mm -hmm. and she helps uh, reverse the decision. My favorite part of this match is (laughs) Jeff Jarrett trying to get between the two referees so they cannot communicate about what (laughs) happened. Yeah, yeah. That made me laugh. And uh, and then uh, she reverses the decision, and the match... Must continue. So there's a little bit of a weird setup to this finish. The heels are double-teaming on Bowens. Caster's back up after he got knocked out with the steps. Mm -hmm. He throws a right hand to Jarrett from where he is uh, on the apron. Knocks Jarrett. And then he just disappears. And I'm like, where'd this dude go? (laughs) So Lethal goes to roll up Bowens. And he puts his feet on the ropes for the pin. And then just some random hand slaps the feet off of the, off off of the ropes. And then uh, Bowens reverses it and wins the match. And so I kind of was, I was like, I wish that caster would have got to the floor and like grabbed Jarrett's legs and pulled him out of the ring. So he would have already been on the floor rather than punch, drop down to the floor and disappear and then show up out of nowhere. Cause I was like, Mm -hmm. where did he go? But
1: anyway, that was the finish and the acclaimed leave with their straps. Some parts I liked of this match. Some parts I didn't. Um, I felt like after all that stuff on Twitter, um, the, the stuff that Max said that, that rap video he did the previous week, Jeff's just smiling. Like when he comes out, like I kind of wanted to see some fire in, in, in Jeff's eyes and, you know, I kinda wanted to send them, them to start and start fighting and, and you know, you know, making it look like more than just a typical wrestling match, you know. Um but yeah, I, I thought it was okay. I sat in him, just get kicked out. Always used is just flip we got the, the F word, we got <laughs> dick in the dirt, we got uh <laughs> fucking a giant flipping off referees. And it's like, man, there's really just I know they want to be edgy, but come on. You know, it was, yeah, it was, but yeah, I just it was okay, Uh and it builds to another match, and I kind of, I kind of, do like the idea of Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal as a as champions? You know, I think the acclaim could be where they're so over that they don't need the tag team titles on them all the time, but they can lose them and get them back. You know, that kind of deal. So they don't need like a long reign.
0: I would rather see them lose it to a team Ooh. like the guns rather than mm-hmm. lethal and, and Jarrett only because that could establish like the young teams, long-term, you know, long-term program. Like let's, let's get that thing started and they could wrestle for, for years down the line. I would like to see, especially after the guns is promo, which we'll get yeah. to, which I thought was, was pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Tony is with Jamie hater and Britt. Britt says, Soraya just doesn't get it. They both had rocky starts, and it took them a bit to figure out what they were doing. Uh, Tony Storm and Sheeta are great wrestlers, so why hasn't Soraya picked one of them yet? Like, what's going on here? You have great wrestlers in this company to choose. And she says, she's pointing to Jamie hater. She says, Jamie, she's the champ. I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. The boss is... Sasha Banks is is, his nickname. And she says, she's the killer and I'm the pillar. So after this promo where she uses this little cute line about the boss, Mm -hmm. is it supposed to make us think that Mercedes Monet is coming next week?
1: I think they were teasing it. There still could be, she could show up possibly, but I don't know. I think someone... I mean, I saw some today that she's not going to be there, but who knows. Well, right?
0: Dave doesn't think so. But Brian thinks reading into the promo thinks like how can you say that and she doesn't come. Mhm. So, they had that discussion well, on Wrestling Radio. I
1: guess I guess what they did later, you know, they they cleared that up. If that's the case, it's it's going to be who, she, you know, who Right, right. S- 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 decided of the two Tony Storm or Cheetah.
0: Jack Perry interview next week for one night only. It's Jungle Hook <laughs> against Big Bill and Lee Moriarty.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I liked I liked uh that Jack Perry has some bass in his voice here. Look, look, I like that. But then Hook just kind of appears on screen for like what 0. 0.5 seconds and they go like uh you know a break. So not much, not much impact there, you know, or and it'd be nice if I know Hook's a silent killer, but maybe. Hey, it's been a while now. Let's see, let's see him say some things. And yeah, at least a couple lines. Shit. All right.
0: Brian Danielson against Tony Neese. Danielson gets the hero's welcome and he dominates. This is yeah. an absolute domination, strong win for Brian Danielson, setting him up to be the number one contender. He calls out MJF because uh, he says, you know, I, I still want to fight. So come out here, get your ass out here. Um, MJF is cutting him down, making fun of the way he looks. He says, you look like a goat, but that doesn't mean you are a goat. He (laughs) insinuates that Danielson's mom had sex with a goat and Brian Danielson's the one that came out. And so Danielson says, oh yeah, well, all the talk in the back of the locker room is how many human suitors that your mom's had. (laughs) And MJF just blows a gasket. And so Danielson is playing it up with the crowd. You know, who who's had who's a human suitor of MJF in all the crowds like raising their
1: hand and screaming. What about the Lance Storm at Dean Malenko <laughs> line? Yeah. They, they, they,
0: if, if did Lance Storm and Dean Malenko had a baby, it would still have more charisma than uh, than uh, Brian Danielson. <laughs> Lance <laughs> tweeted about it too. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and Max says, you know, supposedly you know, all the all the journalists who live with their parents and live in the basement, they love you. But you know who is the fans of me? He called out three people. The first one, Disco Inferno. That was great. The second one, Eric Bischoff. And the third one was none other than Jim Cornette. That's hilarious, yeah. Um, Danielson, he says, you know, you want this title shot. Okay, here, here's the steps. You have to win for a month straight, and you'll get the shot. And Danielson's like, nah, <laughs> why
3: don't I just keep winning, and I'll be the number one contender?"
0: Like, yeah, like what's like, why don't why don't? And then and then that's when MJF said, "Tony Khan's not running this. The EVPs aren't running this. I'm running this. You you do that, and you'll never see a title shot." So Danielson's like, "All right, but I'll do it as long as you agree to my stipulation, which is." an Iron Man match and MJF was kind of hemming and hawing, but Danielson challenged his wrestling manhood because mm-hmm. we know that that's something that has been a critique about MJF in the past is can he really go? So this is the opportunity for him to go with the best in the business. So MJF and Brian Danielson, if he keeps winning at revolution in chase center uh, for the title, by the way, I was just at Chase Center last night. Yeah. I'm trying to think what 8,000 people is going to look like in that giant place. I hope they get to 10. If Mm -hmm. they can get to 10, I think it'll be okay. You just kind of have to, you know, sprinkle in the the second deck. But I think that the bottom deck will look great. Mm -hmm. But, man, it was storming the 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 weather people were telling us that people were going to die on the road if you risk traveling yeah and we made it and it was raining hard and that building was packed and steph curry didn't even play like oh, it was insane man. how many people were there so AEW wow. has got their work cut out to to put people in that building man i still gotta buy my ticket or well
1: get a ticket somehow I some mean, way the longer you wait if they don't if they aren't selling, the longer you wait, probably the better. But we'll see. I could pick up my uh, free ones at Rasputin Records. You're trying to say? It's like just there you to, go. At the uh, along my San Diego Giants tickets, just right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, for them, I hope that they can figure out something to yeah. get people to to go buy some tickets. Because I, I mean, I want you know, I almost feel bad as you know, this is kind of our home, and it's like, come on, guys, let's. This is a pay per view. They're never going to
1: come back. Now, Danielson challenged MGF to a sixty-minute Ironman match, like to, as you said, to challenge his wrestling manhood, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and the way Danielson challenged him, it's like this is going to be the hardest, you know, wrestling match you ever had. You're gonna, you are going to prove that you're actually have a good wrestler, all this stuff. But in AEW, remember the Omega Pac Ironman match with the chairs and other weapons they used in that match. <laughs> So, it's, you know, and this company has already established the Iron Man Match is not just a specifically pure wrestling, you know, match.
0: What if they do the thing where MJF just starts cheating his ass off and gets disqualified uh, once and then picks up mm-hmm. two pins, you know, g- gives up one pin to get two pins
1: because he's yeah, sure. all beat up? I'm sure that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that will happen. Um, <sighs> I kind of I don't know. I wish it was just a straight match the first time around. I wish they would do maybe an iron match somehow in uh in a rematch. I'm not a big Iron Man match guy. It was when I was younger, I thought it was a great idea and you know, I was excited for the ones like, you know, I do like it if it's like more 30 minutes than 60 minutes. Yeah. But as we got older, I think, and wiser, um we started like, okay, you know, we we're just kind of chill and wait out cuz they're not until like the last 15 minutes is really, you know. So I think I don't know. We, Danielson's a master. MGF's very good, which I I kind of weird. Is it really people online are really kind of like, talking about MGF's not that good in the ring? Yeah, that, was that, that was, you know, more last
0: year. But then he had the match with Punk and Darby. And he had the Darby match. And yeah. yeah. I think he's shown
1: his, yeah. you know, that that he's good. So, yeah. I, that's the only little issue I had with that. That 60 minute, you know, the way that Danielson brought it up, like it's going to be a re- wrestling match, purely pro wrestling, but. And like I said, in the history of AEW, Iron Match we saw Pac and Omega was just chairs, and probably <laughs> was a table or something else involved. So,
0: all right, so uh we got the John LaRocca Invitational, Ar Fox mm-hmm. against Swerve, and you know we didn't have the we didn't have the the trios match. So this is this was your your match here. Yeah, they they, I mean enough. these these guys are flipping athletic, man. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, they were My just goodness flips, and you know, great. On the gymnastics, you know, thing, but like really good timing with each other as well. You could
0: tell that they've wrestled before Mm -hmm. Um, the finish is and I I don't really understand what what this was, but Parker Boudreaux Swerve had air Fox on the top rope Mm -hmm. and Parker Boudreaux gave Swerve something and then he kind of rubbed it in air Fox's face or his hands. It wasn't clear what it was or something. And then he kind of like. He went limp a little bit. Mm-hmm. And
1: then that's when uh, Swerve gave him the DVD on the side of the ring apron. Why? Was it necess- Was that necessary? No one's going to care. Well, especially if the knockout blow was
0: whatever he stuffed yeah. in his face. Uh, so, yeah. just dumps him back in the ring. And A.R. Fox is, is a dead body at this point. Mm-hmm. And, but Swerve still got to go to the top. Drills him with that double foot stomp and then pins him uh, so a little bit of a
1: homecoming for swerve as well, even though he's a heel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course I'm not a fan of the style of wrestling. It just doesn't really do anything for me. It doesn't get me excited. You know, It's kind of cool to see some of the athletic stuff, but you know, I want it more of a, in a structure of a competitive match where people look like they're trying to win, not just two flips. Um, I did not get that deal with whatever Parker handed him. I don't know if he was supposed to be sandpaper or something. Or I don't know what it was, you know. And then that DVD out the top into the apron's like so unnecessary. Like I said, no one's gonna remember it tomorrow. The only person that's gonna remember it is AR Fox, whose back's probably gonna be hurting, right? <laughs> it's 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 just ridiculous. this one that's one of those things you gotta be like whoever the agent is, or Tony. I mean, I would think Tony goes over these matches with his guys. I would hope so. Or someone comes to him and the agent, whoever, the producer, whatever you want to say, comes to him and says, hey, this is not the a match. They're going to do this. This is some of the keys. You should know some of the key spots they're going to do because you want to make sure you get on camera, et cetera. And when you hear DVD off the top rope onto the apron, say no. You know, it's not worth it. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I remember just screamed out, you know, just kind of yelled, was like, oh my God. And, and like the wife, you know, Trina's like checking <laughs> on me, like what happened? And I'm like, I was like, don't worry, no trees fell in our backyard. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Rain. But this idiot just took his DVD off the top on an apron and broke his back for no reason at all.
0: All right. So Soraya and Tony and Sheeta were with Renee. And mm-hmm. Soraya says, she's so excited to choose her partner. This woman is the, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And... I wish they would have done another cut of this because when, when Saraya was the best one, well, maybe, (laughs) but when, when, when Saraya says, you know, this woman is one of the best wrestlers in the world. She, if I wanted Sheena to go, yes, yes, this is mine. And then she turns to Tony and says, Tony, and then she's like, what the, you know, I wanted her to do one of those, but it it was, you know, I thought they did an okay. They did like a, a B job of of how you do the over the top wrestling version of what this usually is.
1: I guess. So Jeez. she picks
0: Tony. Sheeta's upset. Renee. There's a cut cutaway to Renee's face, and Renee's kind of embarrassed for Sheeta. And
1: the, the hard cut to Renee. Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh! So
0: bad. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so. Uh, Serea and, and Tony are, I don't know, kind, kind of dicks for doing Sheeta like that. Just tell yeah. the poor woman off air, like, nope, it's going to be Tony. You don't have to be on this video. I don't want you to, I don't want to embarrass you. Like, what yeah. What? he, what baby faces do
1: that? Exactly. I was thinking, like, how, wait, am I supposed, are they baby faces? I thought they were supposed to be baby faces. They're just, being, she's just being a total bitch to Hikaru Sheeta there. Like, yeah. Oh my God. This is, this is really, really bad stuff i mean not even b-level movie bad like it could be like even lower like the lower the dollar bin at the at the uh i don't know at the walmart dollar bins movies you know <laughs> uh okay so
0: now we have tony i could see cheetah gets mad and beats up tony backstage and Mercedes Monday is just hanging out. Just, back hanging there out there.
1: just but, pulls up limo comes out. Yeah. But the
0: the other thing that I've heard is if you're new Japan, you probably want her first match, right. Mm-hmm. To, to, yeah. to draw, you, you know, if you're, if you're trying to draw in San Jose and you're like, Hey, first match outside of WWE, I don't know, you know, but you know, whatever, maybe, maybe she's got a side deal with a W and their partners and they can figure that yeah. out so maybe she's there and she doesn't wrestle. Uh, maybe she's there and she wrestles, but there's also a good possibility that she's not there. I don't mind this part of it, right? Because you and I are so close to this stuff. Whereas 30 years ago when we were watching, mm-hmm. that's where the excitement is. So I'm, I kind of like not really knowing now watch Dave's going to tell me like tomorrow and then I'm going to be spoiled, but uh, that that that's also, that also could happen. Yeah. But, um, Yeah, so I kinda I kinda like the mysteriousness, but the thing that if she is wrestling and you're not using that fact to possibly sell tickets, that's probably not best for business.
1: Yeah, I um I forgot to ask Dave what that sounds a civic auditorium show. What was the current attendance before they announced that Mercedes Monet will be wrestling?
0: I I saw from Russell Ticks that they'd sold four hundred tickets since Russell
1: Kingdom. But what was the previous seat before that? Uh, let's pull it up. Because I'm curiously, like... We talked about this at Dave's house when we were watching uh, Russell Kingdom. Yeah. And, like, that's a... I mean, that, that, I mean, she's not coming in cheap, right? They're paying a lot of money for her. And the do at the San Jose Civic Auditorium, cool for us because we just happened <laughs> to... Just wanted to go to it, and we're going to check no, it out. No we're bad gonna, seat in the house. No bad seat in the house. It just doesn't feel like they're going to get their... Money back, unless they're well. I mean, I guess that they can make it up with the subscriptions, right? Because it's going to be a uh, a New Japan World pay per view.
0: Okay, so here here's the deal. Uh, this and this was as of this recording. This is nine hours ago, so I'm sure there's more updated information. And I would just look at WrestleTix over the next couple of days. Okay, but they say that. Uh, the current setup for capacity is almost twenty-two hundred. Twenty-one fifty-two is capacity for the setup. Okay. They've distributed, not sold, distributed uh, almost nineteen hundred. So it leaves just under three hundred tickets left. And so before, if this, if if their math is correct, they would have had fourteen hundred and eighty-eight tickets distributed, and then since she showed up on Wrestle Kingdom, four hundred more. So, in a small building, four hundred is a little bit more, but it's not like, you know, John Cena moved that SmackDown
1: show from yeah, like probably yeah. eight to ten to selling the thing out. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I wonder. It's just, it's like anything, I guess, with a new star. like Even if Mercedes Monet goes to AEW, I just it'll be a quick. Bump, and I don't think it will really would do. You know, it interesting. I mean, I, I kind of hope she goes AEW. I'm get, you know, I'd like to see, but then it gets like an like then it's like another WWE star comes over and gets like, like what do you do with her? Does she pin? You know, the, who does she beat? Jamie, who Jamie's like hotter. I would think than Mercedes Monet to that audience, obviously. Do you have the person that beats Jade be Mercedes Monet after all that time building up? Yeah, you know, Jade, right? Like, what does that tell your your locker room, right?
0: Maybe, maybe Mercedes Monet is uh Red Velvet's Roddy Roddy Piper to her Virgil. Remember when mm. the Million Dollar Man and Virgil were doing, yeah, their thing? yeah, and like Virgil's just keeps getting bullied and bullied and bullied, and Piper's finally like stand up for yourself,
1: dude. Maybe it was our good friend Sam from the Power Bombshells. She, I don't know, someone said, like, are they really gonna? build up jade just for red velvet to beat her and i I don't like that either you know yeah it's not the best it's not the best honestly if anyone's gonna beat jade this is my this is my booking and i i say you finally built it to where it's title for title as jamie versus jade and if you want i would go i would go with jamie because she's just hotter and you know and make it like this epic, make it a big deal, big match, and you know, for both women. And yeah, you know, I th- I think that's what I would do at this point with, with Jade. Anyone else? I don't see anyone else in that roster that I, I really want to see that really needs that really would really benefit from being Jade. I guess anyone would benefit at this point a little bit, but not in I think I just keep going with Jamie, you know. And then maybe if you if
0: you, if you can sign Sasha for three-year deal, mm-hmm. then you could build stuff for her. Yeah. But if she's just here for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Then you don't want to yeah. put major titles on her unless the idea is to then, you know, Jamie Hader has to then beat her again to you know to to then win her title yeah. back or something. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. It's it's very intriguing. I'm a big fan of Miss Sasha Banks, uh, so I'm excited to see wherever she goes. That I mean, her yeah. being in, in, in San Jose, I think, is a really cool thing for us.
1: I did I did feel her her debut on new Japan was a little underwhelming. Yeah, and a lot, are, a lot of people a lot of people were making talk about that move that wasn't executed. I just thought like, I think I know everyone was pushing and pushing for women's wrestling to be at the wrestle kingdom, right. For, for the last few years now, I just think just in their culture, it's like, they're like, it's cool, but you know, it's not a really big deal for us. Right. I'm sure there's some fans there that was really into it, but most part, I don't think they were like really that into it. She came out, she came out and they gave a record like, a polite response, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there, and, but then her promo, I thought she was a little shaky on and, and, but I like her. I like, I'm a, I've am i been a Sasha big fans for a while, just like you. So I say, Hey, I would like to see her in AEW. I'd like to see them do that match at, um, was it all? Uh, what's the May pay-per-view for AEW? All oh, out. The
0: main one in in Las Vegas. Yeah, double or nothing.
1: Double or nothing. Jamie Jay, Title for title. Big match. Boom. Jamie wins that, and then an all out. Mercedes Monet versus Jamie Hater for, you know, both belts. You know, or you strip one and you do all that deal again. The Warrior Hogan. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> WrestleMania yeah. six stuff. Yeah.
0: Um. All right. Let's uh, let's move on here. Uh it was the uh the Gun Brothers eulogy mm-hmm. of FTR IP. Thought that was cute. Yeah. Uh Colton c- came out with his braided man bun, uh <laughs> ultimate douchebag of, of all time. Great, I love great, these haircut. Guys. great haircut. Great haircut. I love You know what? Guys. You know what's you know what's uh Austin is definitely the the more charismatic talker. Mm-hmm. Uh he kind of overshadows Colton a little bit and stuff like this.
1: But Cole, I I thought Colton showed more personality than he's been. I, I yeah. think he's starting to get really comfortable out yeah. there. And and I dug this. Actually it, it made me want to see the rematch. And I oh, the yeah. ma- first match oh, was yeah. really good. So absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh Austin had uh so so Colton has his douchebag braided man bun. Uh and, and Austin's douchiness was the uh the loafers with no <laughs> socks and the high pants.
1: Great. <laughs> I like when uh, Colton just snaps out his little car for the speech. Just <laughs> I, I just love that. It was just a little nice little thing he did there. Okay, can
0: I say this and I think people think I'm I'm like overdoing it here, but I feel like Austin is a better promo than his dad ever
3: was.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that's that's cuz Billy Gunn wasn't really the the promo guy of the team anyways, right? No. He would just say you know his end of the catchphrase, and that was yeah. it. And you know he was never the top, a good promo guy. He's been okay. You can get it done. You can get through it, but you no, know, Austin's just way, way, way bigger personality than his dad was. Yeah.
0: Uh, and then uh, so the the music play. You know these guys are crying, fake crying, and the music plays. And uh, I started to do the math. I was like, okay, when did Russell Kingdom end versus how long does it take to fly? There's no way that they could be at that building. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, and, and then they start cracking up. They're yeah. like, ah, ha, ha, you guys thought they were going to be here. Oh, you know, the 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 old the old heat. Yeah. And uh, th- he says the guns are the new living legends. <laughs> Top guns
1: out. I that was that. awesome. That was I loved awesome. it. Yeah. Colton, I think, has the has the frame to to start taking daddy's breakfast meals. And... Oh man. He doesn't need to get that big. <laughs> Austin, though, he might look like a little truck, you know, like a little like, <laughs> he's just a, a little Bronco out there. He's such a smaller guy. But they're a great team. I want to see more of them. And yeah, that would be great if it's like, you know, end of twenty twenty you know, second half of twenty twenty three. Yeah, man, these two young teams acclaimed and the guns. If you the attacking titles, I'm I'm with that.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, Sky Blue, Kier Hogan versus Jade and Red Velvet. The whole match was about this storyline. I feel like Red Velvet has like walked out on Jade a couple times already. <laughs> she, uh, when they did the entrance, she, when they're supposed to do their little entrance, she she's in the back for their little twirl with uh, Layla Gray, and then she just like power walks down to the ring, leaving Jade in the dust. And Jade um, still wins. <laughs> yeah, <she styles. laughs> um, uh, you know, Sky Blue was doing a little bit of connect the dots early in with Red Velvet. They they were trying to do some some pre-planned, I mean, semi chain wrestling stuff.
1: I mean, you could visually see Red Velvet putting herself in pinning positions. Yeah, you know, there's one point where she clearly just goes to her back, and and Sky Blue's late to just put her arm around her, look like she's pinning her. It's just yeah, pretty bad stuff. So Jade uh, goes to tag Red Velvet and she's
0: like cuz Red Velvet and Kier Hogan were close when mm-hmm. when they were with the baddies and she's like you, you you're going to beat her ass. And she goes to tag Red Velvet, Red Velvet drops and she walks away and Kier Hogan rolls Jade up for a two, turns around, gets pump-kicked right in the face. And loses the match. So she, she so, got murdered on that power slam she did. The um this was whatever what it was, but I like that Red Velvet was quick on her feet enough that when they announced that her team won, she did raise her hand like like to show Jade, like, yeah, I won too. You're you don't don't think that my plan didn't work. So that that was okay. She saved a little face there, but yeah, this was not this is not great
1: for anybody, I don't think. It just seems like they just switched this because they needed someone, you know. I mean, originally, they hated each other, Jade, and I think one of the first people she feuded was was Velvet, right? She Uh kind of stood in for Brandy, who got pregnant, and she took over, and then all of a sudden, she's like, yeah, I'm a baddie. She's like sitting at ringside when they started doing the baddie thing, so. And then the person who Jade's left with is the one she never wanted, Layla Gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
0: her only homegirl now.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the one that she was horrible to. So we'll see her probably leave uh, Jade soon as well. All right, I know that that
0: uh, we're a little late late in the show here. We nah. don't usually go this long, but uh, just we'll, we'll we'll quickly finish here uh, for Rampage Mox and Danielson versus Top Flight. Uh, those guys get to get beat up again. Uh, House of Black interview Preston Vance with his new nickname. What was his nickname? uh Pedro something is like I forgot. He he's a yeah. he's a perro though. Um uh Jamie and Brit versus the Renegade Sisters, and mm-hmm. then at at uh, Battle of the Belts, it's the acclaim versus Jarrett and Lethal, no holds no holds barred. It's uh, Jade versus uh Sky Blue. Anything else to announce for that? Uh Cassidy against Sabian. Oh, God, I'm watching something else. I don't know about
1: that. <laughs> that's a that's another weekend kind of filler waiting for football games to start. Uh,
0: acclaimed against Jarrett and lethal. Yeah, that, that could be fun. Well, I'll, I'll look for your tweet. <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I mean, I may not watch it until like Sunday. Okay. Um, and then for dynamite page against Moxley, even though,
1: we're well, he hasn't got cleared yet. Why well, they yeah, they announced it? They announced. Yeah, it. yeah. I don't know about that. Maybe he already took a red eye. and He got cleared already. <laughs> uh,
0: Jamie Hayter and Britt versus Tony and Soraya. Uh, Danielson against Takeshita. Uh, Jungle Hook versus Big Bill and Lee Moriarty and Death Triangle against the Elite. So you know, this should be the type of show that that holds a rating for them. There's not really hmm. too many spots where you know people are like, "Ah, eh, I'm done." I was really uh, so,
1: disappointed in this rating. I yeah. for sure, like, I felt like a hotter show. Like I felt it did. I felt like it was peaking nicely. And, you know, of course, there's always going to be a dip with the women's probably. But I felt like, ah, there's some interesting stuff here. And I was like, well, I was kind of shocked that the rating was pretty, pretty low. Yeah. So let's get to the main
0: event. Darby against Samoa Joe. Darby immediately goes to hug Nick Wayne. Nick's father buddy was a Darby's trainer. Uh, Obviously, people on this website know Buddy Wayne, who Mm -hmm. was literally like Brian Alvarez's star guest on uh, the early, early days of the F4W Daily Show. And Samoa Joe then comes and then he immediately (laughs) grabs Nick. And then Darby does a a dive uh, right out onto him. And he hits him with a skateboard. The match has not started yet. (laughs) They go up the ramp. They uh, they must be wanting to preview the trio's ladder match for next week because Darby grabs like the tallest ladder that anyone has ever seen. He does a front flip off of this ladder, and he like leg clothesline Samoa Joe. <laughs> like, that didn't look easy to to no. sort of take from the kid who's gaining momentum, flying off of this uh this tall ladder, and so. Uh bell rings. Darby does a shotgun drop kick into the corner. It's a pretty good fight. Darby's doing a lot of selling, like screaming, audibly screaming mm-hmm. uh, in pain. Joe pulls off the top turnbuckle. Uh he's got Darby locked in a sleeper and Darby's going out. But he then he turns into a Hulk Hogan circa 1985. <laughs> fires up and uh gets Joe to bonk his head on the unprotected turnbuckle yeah and uh there's a he does a move in between before the the two coffin drops but uh then it he does is the, the shot does it do the stunner Is it the canadian destroyer oh the red red whatever the red code red maybe yeah maybe that's what it was yeah so then um yeah then he pins joe two coffin drops man darby's a yeah. champ joe's gonna go Face Wardlow for in a hair match or something. I don't know. There was no Wardlow
1: around, no Wardlow, no follow up on Book of Hobbs. We had three chapters of <laughs> <laughs> still waiting for the fourth chapter, I guess. You know,
0: um, uh, uh, so Darby's the TNT champion again. This seems to me like they wanted to do this for the hometown, which is cool. Uh, you know, I, I, it, they, I, I don't know what the plans were if this was really the plan or if they wanted to do this for the home crowd I, I think it worked for the home crowd but like you said that rating wasn't fantastic so i'm not sure mm-hmm. it worked necessarily for but maybe nothing would have worked because you're you're kind of you, you were peaking for this giant show next week so this was kind of like the last mm-hmm. show before the giant show but um, i sure. thought that was a fun show like it, it had you know it's issues of the things that we normally don't like but the crowd i thought the crowd really made this show fun
1: yeah the crowd was Definitely one of the stars of the show. I, I just didn't like. I felt like Samoa Joe was on him. With some had some really good momentum going. Yeah, just did the big thing with. Yeah. the he was you know, a killer, cutting a Wardlow's hair and all that, and then it, I felt I feel like something changed. That's what I felt like. Well,
0: the history of Samoa Joe with stuff like this is he just always gets hurt, and then they got to take the belt off him. So I hope for his sake it wasn't that, mm-hmm. and then he just maybe it was like, oh, he doesn't need the belt to do this Wardlow thing.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I was, I was like, oh man. I mean, I, and I understand how Tony, you know, doesn't want, like, he really wants hometown heroes to succeed in their hometown. Not like what WWE was doing for a very long time and beating the hometown heroes. I get that. I feel like, I just felt like someone was on some really good momentum and maybe it shouldn't have been Darby in this match. You know, it could have been someone else Mm -hmm. and Joe could have won. I, I don't mind Darby eventually beating Joe. Like that's, you know, that's because like they already wrestled once and it was such yeah. a decisive win by uh by Joe that... but, but
0: you know what you missed was the Sting uh inspirational promo that was like a two-minute segment on Friday night. It was a, th- a fantastic promo from Sting, but it was but buried no on it. Rampage.
1: Yeah, yeah, but no one saw it. they could have they could have showed highlight of that earlier tonight, may replayed it for yeah. Those who missed it, and then maybe like a follow up interview with like with uh, with with Darby saying some few words, and then you know building some momentum. Hey, hey, hey! Here's that. If you had that promo in hour one, maybe just maybe people would have stuck around for that that final match because yeah. that promo it was as good as you said. I believe it was. Like, hey, we gotta see this, you know. But poor Joe, I just well, he's still the TV champ of ROH, right? Yeah, yeah. But he who gives is, a shit about still, that? You know? <laughs> well, we'll see when they get TV, uh, when, oh, or no. when they get uh, Honor Club TV. Nine ninety 990, nine ninety five for a TV show? Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens in New Japan. Maybe All right. something there. Um, that's it from here.
0: Yeah. We'll be back next week to talk the uh, LA Forum show, which is going to be a pretty big dynamite. And uh, everyone have a great week. For John, I am Double G.
1: See you when we see you. Peace out.